Lucky number two. Welcome, you brave and intrepid players of The Library Game, an eclectically indecisive book club. I'm Amy. I'm Lacey. And we are your guides in this methodically random journey through the aisles of your local library. And how do we guide you? Well, we use what we like to call the RSSB coordinates to locate your next book so that you never again have to ask yourself that terrible question, what do I read next? So those RSSB coordinates for us this episode were 3, 4, 1, 14. So that's row 3, section 4, shelf 1, book 14. And that led us to... If You Can Get It, a novel by Brendan Hodge. Lacey, do you want to get us straight into this by the cover section? Like, do you want to just be judgy? Yeah. So we're going to do the thing that you're not supposed to do. We're going to judge the book by its cover. So first off, the book is like an airplane. It's a shot from the ground up looking at the belly of an airplane with like the blue sky and clouds in the background. And the if you can get it is in yellow font, all lowercase. And then there are white silhouettes of two women at the beginning and the end of the title. So there's a lady with like a bun in her hair and it looks like maybe she's wearing a hoodie sitting down and almost like she's leaned up against the if and then there's another lady who is pulling a suitcase behind her and she looks like maybe she's wearing a blazer or something she's got like a big wide stride walking very confidently it looks like so that's our image that we have to go off of based off that i think that this book is going to be about siblings two sisters who are kind of polar opposites. You've got the one that's really driven and motivated and she's like this fancy business lady and I'm going to make all the money and da 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 da. And then you have the sister who's like the artsy one and maybe like the black sheep of the family. And with the airplane, I'm thinking maybe like, maybe they're traveling together. Like they don't get along, clearly. They're just so different, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They don't get along, but they're going on a trip and it's like a road film. Maybe their flight gets canceled and they've got to drive or they're delayed in the airport and they have to bond. And then in the end, they they realize they're more alike than they thought. And maybe the stick up her ass sister is a little more chill and the moody artsy one is a little less of a asshole. And that's what I think this is about. (laughs) Okay. Um, so I have to come up with something completely different now because you basically stole what I thought this was going to be. I was like, don't say siblings, don't say siblings, don't say siblings. Okay, so they're not related. These are two complete strangers. Yes, they are polar opposites, but they are complete strangers. They meet in the airport and maybe they have... Like a run-in, you know, maybe one bumps into the other and one's like, ugh, look where you're going. And the other one's like, ugh, rude. And then they go their separate ways in the airport. And then a flight delay or weather or something 
Like we bumped into each other and traded bags, one of those situations. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and I'm going to lean into the, there's a criminal aspect. One of them's a criminal, and oh. I think maybe the book makes you think you it's can the get slacker, it. not right. busy one, but really it's the business one. I'm maybe tapping into Catch Me If You Can. Honestly, like the title kind of looks like that. So I'm going to say, you know, polar opposites, they don't like each other, but they don't like know each other or anything. They've made assumptions about each other on like first sight assumptions, and they either end up having to work together to fix a problem or there's something a little more sinister to it where like one of them's a criminal and has stolen from the other one. That's what's in the suitcase. <laughs> If that's the case, though, the switcheroo is that you you spend the whole time thinking that the one in the hoodie is the degenerate or criminal or whatever, but it turns out that it's the it's the one in the power suit the whole time. <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with. So let's find out how wrong we are. Jen Nilsson has an NBA, a nice condo, and a fast-track job at a tech startup in Silicon Valley. If her big product launch goes well next month, she may finally land the marketing director job she's been gunning for. But then her younger <laughs> sister, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, hold up. Pause, pause the podcast because nobody at home saw Lacey just do an in the air fist pump like victory is mine. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Continue. All right, her younger sister, Katie, just out of college and estranged from their newly devout parents, blows Ooh. through the front door, dumping cardboard boxes and a lifetime of personal drama onto Jen's just-swept floor. Family is family, and Jen lets her sister, the embodiment of all that annoys her, move in. Maybe she'll turn aimless Katie into a model adult. But when Jen's own well-laid career plans hurtle off the tracks, a corporate buyout, a layoff, and a disastrous business trip to China, she turns more and more to Katie for support and begins to reassess the place of family and love in her life. If You Can Get It explores the quirks and the humanity of the 21st century business world but finds its heart in the deepening relationship of two sisters as different as Eleanor and Marianne of Sense and Sensibility. I'm mad that you got to go first on your predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how well Brendan does writing two sister characters. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I was going to say this book has 36 reviews on Amazon. Hmm. I will not read them, but I that number is kind of a low number. Yeah, well, and especially considering that we've had a string of books where I haven't been able to get the audiobook. And there's an audiobook for this, but not that many reviews. It's kind of one of those, I feel like it has to be a bigger story for me to find the audiobook for it. I will say, as a person who spends a lot of time in corporate America, <laughs> <laughs> this could be either really good because it's funny or really bad because it's so off the mark. <laughs> as someone who spends no time in corporate <laughs> America. I'm mostly, actually, I, that, that aspect of it isn't what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about a man writing a story about two women who are sisters. You know, and as someone who has two sisters, I am interested in seeing the dynamic. I, I'm worried that this is going to be very superficial and flat. Amy, we guessed 
the majority of what this book is about based on the fact that there are silhouettes of women who are very stereotypically in a power suit and a messy bun. I don't think yeah. it's going to be a great picture of real women. <laughs> yeah. we and They're even like the silhouettes are facing different directions. And, <laughs> yeah. <sighs> but maybe we're wrong. Well, yeah. I so... mean, you know. Hey, coming in with low expectations is the best possible thing you can do in this game because there's only one way to go from here. <laughs> that's, yeah. And there's also only one way to find out, right? And that's to read the book. So let's let's just do it. So before we read the book, I noticed that this is from a publisher that I've never heard of. So it's Ignatius, which makes me think it's maybe some sort of self-publish or maybe like pay-to-publish scenario. I opened the cover just to look at like the copyright info. And the first thing that it says is that the cover photo and illustrations are from unsplash.com and istockphoto.com. <laughs> <laughs> so like the absolute bare minimum effort put into. Oh my. They really have a lot of faith in this book. Oh, we shouldn't be so mean. I think he paid to publish his book. That's what I think. Okay. I'm going to look it up later. <laughs> well, <laughs> there's only one way to find out about how we're going to feel about this. So here we go. Before we get into the book, I was going to ask you, how many carbs did you eat today? Uh, I don't know. What What are you going to laugh at me about? <laughs> I'm just having like normal conversations that girls have with each other. Oh, is this what <laughs> This is like our normal, you know, we we haven't started recording yet. Yeah. This is what we talk about. Is that what we're we female. About? <laughs> I felt like a trap. <laughs> Do you know how many pages it took for this man to write about women talking about how fat they are? Was it like in the first page? 15 pages. Yeah. By 31, we're talking about carbs again. I don't talk about carbs. that's because this is a book about women written by a man oh that's right and apparently um because he has seven children and some of them are probably female yeah and likely some sisters probably (laughs) he's got people who will tell him yeah that's good that's a good depiction of women (laughs) so if you can get it by sir brendan hodge he's not a sir i don't think he's a knight do catholics knight people is that a thing no, but there are the Knights Templar. Oh, yeah, that's like a religious thing. So I, I I, think we've skipped over this whole very important factor that we learned. We talked before we read the book about it seeming like a self-published sort of situation, mm. and it's not. However, it was published by a Catholic book publisher that mostly does just like nonfiction religious texts. I want to throw a bit of a caveat on that term nonfiction there because I did see that they had a book about how CRT is not necessary, especially within the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church can't be racist. I'm sorry, did you say Sierra T? CRT, critical race theory. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so just, you know, be be aware of that. It's impossible to be racist if you're Catholic, apparently. 
I'm going to throw this out there. I didn't like this book. <laughs> and um, I didn't like the audio recording of the book. Remember back several, several episodes ago, we talked about have I ever had a bad audiobook experience? And I said, generally speaking, no. Um, I can now say yes. <laughs> the narrator of the book had such a weird cadence to his voice. And, and that's the other thing. It was a man. This is a book that was populated <laughs> mainly by two female characters. And there's like maybe three or four dudes throughout the whole story. And I don't know why they decided that like, yeah, we should have a dude be the narrator. So not only did, oh, his name is uh, Kevin O'Brien. Sorry, dude, putting you on blast. I know you just got paid to do a job probably, but very stereotypical guy doing a woman's voice. No, he did voices for the women? Yeah, yeah, he did the, he did the, okay, okay, let me see if I can do it. Like, he did Jen's voice like this. He made her talk like this. And then he made... Like a sex bot or something? No, no, I think, okay, (laughs) sorry. I don't think I'm able to do that, like, deeper voice without just sounding super sexy. Sorry, everybody. But it was definitely, like, deeper. And more controlled and just, I'm just a woman trying to hold everything together. Whereas the younger sister, Katie's voice, was something more like this. And this is how she talked <laughs> all the time. And it was like the Wicked Witch oh my of God. the West. <laughs> you don't understand how absolutely, like, I wanted to, like, rake my ears out. It was so bad. And then on top of it all, the cadence was really strange. So just, like... The way that he read the book felt very unnatural. So there's a scene at some point early on in the book when Jen is still working at her first job where they're like the place she's at, it's this tech place and there's a big stuffed kangaroo in the lobby, right? And she's Mm -hmm. leaving the job. And the only reason I think that I made this note in particular was because it did include a Star Wars reference, which is probably the only positive thing I'll say about the book. But the way the narrator read the part was something along the lines of like, and Kanga was holding a plastic lightsaber and like the ups and downs of how you talk or how you would even just read were way the hell off. They were all over the place and emphasis was being put on the strangest parts of words. And it was just a bad experience all around. If anybody joined me in listening to the audiobook for this, I am sorry. Well, based on the fact that the cover art was taken from stock photo places or whatever, they probably put it on one of those gig websites where just anybody can sign up. And You told me about that. Yeah. Like, I bet that's what they did. Because you can pay people whatever you want. Probably. Okay. They could have gotten a woman to read it, at least. Yeah, that's a weird choice. Okay. We should probably backtrack a little bit. I got on a rant and I apologize. Yeah. Okay. So... If you can get it, the novel by Brennan Hodge is about two sisters, Jen and Katie. Jen is our protagonist and she is, I'm going to use the word stereotypical a lot Yeah. in this because everything about it is based on stereotype. Yep. So she's stereotypical type A. I don't know if you heard, but she has an MBA, which she reminds everybody and us constantly The book opens with her actually like, it's Sunday, but I'm on my work email because I'm a workaholic. Like, (laughs) Yeah, boss bitch, let's go. That's how 
she comes across. Apparently, she had had a boyfriend at some point who had moved out, which is honestly, like, mostly shocking that a man was ever in her life, like, that she tolerated him or that he tolerated her. And we kick off with her younger sister, Katie, calling her up and saying, like, hey, can I come visit you? Can I come stay with you? Because Katie has graduated college and has been living back at home with her parents, but parents are in their, quote, holy roller phase, um, and she just can't handle that. So she wants to go stay with her sister, who's in the Bay Area, working in tech. And Jen is like, no, 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 I don't think that's a good idea. And then she's like, well, I'm already outside. So that's how we get kicked off, is, is our stereotypical slacker younger sister mm -hmm. who survives on Red Bull and Doritos. Literally. Shows up on her doorstep and wants to stay with her for an undetermined amount of time. Yeah, and then proceeds to, I think, just play Xbox all the time yes. <laughs> in Jen's house. Oh, in Jen's very nice upscale condo that we have to remember is a really nice condo in the Bay Area because she works in tech. And she drives a BMW. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I don't know, money flaunting, I guess, for Jen. Mm -hmm. She's shown to be very superficial, very goal-oriented to a fault. Yeah, and I, I, just to fully reiterate, the fault, in my opinion, is with Mr. Brendan Hodge, who doesn't understand how actual real-life women are. Yeah. Not with this fictional woman who he came up with. Yeah. Like, I feel bad for the person that is Jen. <laughs> yeah, well, and then on top of it, to to further solidify her type A personality type stuff, she's very into her fitness and her eating routines, and she ascribes, the character ascribes, like, virtue to it, to the point where there's a part in the first chapter where she like gets up early and she's already done this, 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 and this today. And I might even go for a run later. And then it says she goes to take a shower. And then afterwards it says like stepping out of the shower, <laughs> damp, but virtuous. I wrote that down too. And I, so what I wrote down damp, but virtuous. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> I think that's the point that I chose to go look up the publisher and realize that it was a Catholic. <sighs> Book. <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, it was like, okay, cool. Like, you've really established your characters from the get go. Congratulations, Brendan. Very well done, I guess. I also, in the first chapter, so she calls her parents to let them know that her sister has arrived and she's safe and then to get a little bit more background. One of the other things that was a reason for her leaving home is the mom is like, you have a curfew and you're just hiding in your room drinking. And this is a person who's got to be at least 22 years old. Yeah. You know? And I just don't, I don't understand a 22-year-old hiding in their childhood bedroom drinking. I don't know. Katie is also just, she's portrayed as incredibly dumb. Yeah. Not like unintelligent, but just like. Childish. Yeah. You know, like she throws fits and she doesn't understand how the world works around her. Yeah. So uh, in the conversation with the mom, letting her know that, that Katie has arrived and she's asking what's going on, the mom's like, you know, she got into all those Eastern religions and she didn't want to go to mass with us. 
this. <laughs> and then, so in that section, you find out that the rebellious younger daughter who's just out there drinking and hoeing and <laughs> whatever she's doing, she was a religious studies major. And like, that's, <laughs> that's part of what they argued about. Cause she's like, I wanted to learn about other religions. Yeah. She goes on this whole theological explanation of what the mom's rediscovery of religion. So I guess they weren't religious when they were little. And then the mom, they talk about her getting on meds. So I don't know what her problem was, but like mom got her shit figured out. And then that coincided with going back to church. Oh, and they love their church. And the the new priest is very young. The voice that the guy does for the mother is similar to Katie, but like sugary sweet. So it's even more annoying. So anyway, that's uh, that's how we start out. Katie ends up getting a job at Starbucks, which for some reason Jen thinks is stereotypical. I don't, I didn't really understand that, but she's like, oh, such a stereotype. <laughs> well, she didn't get a real degree, first of all, and now she's just working a, an hourly job rather than finding a career that she can throw her entire <laughs> self into. Right, her entire self. This is another quote that just made me roll my eyes because I feel like I... I feel like I maybe have known people like this, but they're all men. Okay. I think she was on her way home from the office. It says, with a sense of glowing self-worth that being absolutely needed in the office for 12 hours at a time provided. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> like, that's gross. Nobody wants that. That's not, I don't know. I work in corporate America. Nobody wants that. <laughs> I mean, I get being ambitious and everything like that, but this is done to such a caricature point that it's just ridiculous yeah. let's push on with the plot here so she works for a tech agency they were working on like a pocket dj app i think is what it is she's the product manager yeah. and they're trying to manufacture a mini turntable yeah it's something really stupid yeah and basically the whole thing gets shut down and they get downsized and she is let go She's supposed to be doing this huge presentation and she's really nervous about it, doing all this prep work. She goes in and she's got her lucky pumps on. I don't know that I've ever described shoes that I wear as pumps ever. Isn't that just a type, like a term for heels? I, I, I don't. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> maybe, Lacey, maybe we're not women enough. I'm not as good of a woman as Brendan. <laughs> So she goes in to do her presentation, doesn't eventually get to do it at all because they fire her before it can even happen. She goes home and then Katie wanders in and had been out like all night because Katie was trying to make her dinner the night before. She was trying to be nice, but in that childish, like, I'm doing something that I think is nice, but it's not what you need right now. And they got in a big fight. So she took Oh, yeah, because she left the, the kitchen all messy or something. And yeah. Yeah. So she has this weird like, oh, I met some guy. And then Jen calls her a slut. Well, isn't there like a whole exchange with them? Is it this time or a different time where like she has those like booty shorts on that say juicy or something like that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so Jen spirals for a little bit. She doesn't know what to do. So she starts getting up at 630 in the morning and putting her business clothes on to sit at the kitchen table to apply for jobs. Yeah. And she eventually gets an interview at another place for another product manager role where she would be selling designer computer bags and she has the weirdest interview experience that i've ever seen documented and i'm really hoping that perhaps brendan has had this experience because he very clearly works in product management 
So he's drawing from life experience. And I hope that this interview is real life experience. They do like a good cop, bad cop sort of thing. Is it meant to be like intentional? Yeah, I think it is. So she shows up 10 minutes early and they're like, you're late. And they hand her a paper agenda of all the people she's supposed to interview with. And she's already five minutes behind. And so they interview her while she's walking to her next interview. And then she goes in with this woman who just keeps asking her the same question over and over. But she's like, no, those are just examples of... This is like the CEO or like the president or something, isn't it? It's like the boss Some boss. high up person. Okay. She's the one that's like, no, give me more. Give me... Yeah. She reminds me of Edna Mode from The Incredibles. <laughs> yeah. Who designs the super suits, you know? She's like, no capes. But Edna Mode is cool. Is, and it's warranted yeah. that she behaves in the way she does because she's a genius. This lady's just like, tell me about a time that you challenged authority. And then she gives an example, which we don't even get to hear. It just says she gives an example. Yeah. And the lady's like, that's just you arguing about what you think is right. Tell me about a time that you challenged authority. And she's like, I don't know how to, what do you mean? I don't know how to do that other than just telling you when I... Tried to argue for what I thought was right. And they're like, see, this is why it's challenging. Because you really can't, you know, if people have been taught wrong already, we can't even have yeah. you here. <laughs> it's just stupid. And then she goes to the next interview and the guy's a little more down to earth. But he's still like, this is a cultural fit. And we just need to know that you're going to be able to be successful here. They do. How do you think that interview went? He just seemed kind of dumb. Oh, and here's the other thing that made me upset about <laughs> that. He was the analytics guy, <laughs> like the <laughs> the leader of the analytics function. And they're like, he's fat and frumpy and a loser. And he's such a mess. And I'm like, God damn it. That's what I do. We're not like that. That's not, that's another stereotype. That's not true. Yeah. Brendan. I mean, is that like a self critique? Cause that's what he is. Brendan's a. Analytics director. Was that him describing himself? Maybe. Or maybe an old boss that he had that he didn't quite like. <laughs> Probably. But so she does get a job offer from this place and she accepts it. And they immediately send her to China. Oh, um, before she goes to China, she has a night out with an old friend, an old guy friend from when she got her MBA from Stanford. But he's a lawyer. And I immediately disliked him. His name's Dan. Mm -hmm. And I immediately disliked him because, one, he told her that she was being too loud. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because she got, like, slightly tipsy or something. And then he did that really patronizing chin up. And he, like, grabbed her by the chin and tilted it up that I think men think that women think is cute. But in reality, it's like, don't fucking touch me. What are you doing? <laughs> it definitely plays into that very stereotypical rom-com formula you know if like right. this is the guy that really sees me but i don't notice him kind of thing it's almost like this story could be a mixture between <laughs> i can't even say it between frozen and a hallmark movie <laughs> i wasn't gonna go there God, it's, this book is driving us to critique people who do reviews of the book because <laughs> Okay, everybody, friends of the podcast, intrepid listeners, I pulled it up on Goodreads and I was like, how does it have an average four-star review? 
And then, of course, we were looking through, like, his Facebook and stuff like that. And a lot of these reviewers are for these, I mean, I hate, like, I hate to, like, dog on Catholicism, but it's these, like, Catholic websites and these, you know, different things like that. And, yeah, someone compared it to a mix between Frozen and Hallmark movies. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Anyway, okay, so that happens. We get introduced to Dan. And then her new job immediately ships her to China for an undetermined amount of time. And then it kind of skips forward. I think like a month she's there. She's there to oversee the final production of the line and oversee the details about the bulk shipments to the U.S. Yeah, and there's some Chinese manufacturing is a delicate dance between the people at the manufacturing facilities trying to get things done for super cheap and like cutting corners and then the people paying for the stuff that are wanting it to be exactly like the prototypes. And so she's the one who's supposed to go in and make them do what they're supposed to do and make sure that all of the products are up to snuff and they don't want to do it or they want to hide stuff or only show her the nice place and Mm -hmm hide the not so nice places so that's why she gets stuck there and she keeps saying i want to go home and they're like maybe next week yeah and then next week they're like we're gonna extend your visa until the end of the year (laughs) yeah and i think some of it comes from like delays in the production and and stuff like that but it's a lot of no one's actually listening to her i can't help but think it's a commentary on just using chinese manufactured goods Rather than American made. And I really think that Brendan has some experience with Chinese manufacturing and thought, ha 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 ha. Yeah. You can put that in my book. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so she's there a lot. It's kind of driving her crazy. She feels isolated because basically as a non-Chinese person, she's somewhat quarantined to the hotel. The hotel is catered around well, foreigners. I think that's partially her own fault. I think she said she did some touristy stuff, but then never wanted to leave the hotel. On a whim, she does leave the hotel and goes across the street to get her hair done. And I think that she was getting close to like some of the final meetings where another person from her company was coming over to help finalize everything. And so she's like, I got to look my best. And so I have to spend a ridiculous amount of money to get my hair highlighted. But instead of getting her hair highlighted... They just make her bleach blonde. Yeah. Fully blonde. Like crazy blonde. And I think there's a mention that like they don't match her eyebrows or something. (laughs) So So she's freaking out about this. It's the absolute end of the world. And then the other guy from the company shows up They're treated to a big fancy dinner. They're wined and dined. There's a lot in here about like, this is the Chinese way of doing business. We have dinner, we do all this stuff. And then tomorrow we'll talk business for realsies though. So they go out and they get super drunk and I think they do karaoke and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the dude kisses her. And gropes her. And so she leaves. And then the next day, I think he's late to the actual business meeting. I think she has to go wake him up and kind of like throw them together and like, come on, dude, get back in the game. And he's this whole like, oh, what happens in China stays in China asshole. And he's supposed to be the big negotiator. So his whole role is to come in and show them who's boss and make sure that they don't end up spending more money than they need to and blah, blah, blah. And he completely fumbles it. Yeah, she was supposed to be the one who gathered all the info, give that to him so that he can use it to do the negotiation. And then he just doesn't. And she tries but gets shot down so she just kind of lets him fuck it all up yeah i mean i think that they do a decent job but she's very disappointed by it she gets on the phone and talks a lot of trash and is like i'm coming home 
One other thing that happens, I think actually before the big meeting, is that she goes down to the hotel bar and she's already kind of frustrated about all this and she finds another American woman and just starts chit-chatting and kind of telling her all about all the issues that she's having. And then maybe like right after the meeting, an article comes out and it turns out that the lady she was talking to was a reporter. Yeah. I thought that she was a spy. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of didn't see the point of that. Again, it as you keep saying, you know, maybe this is some real world experience that Brendan has had or something. But I just remember being like, okay. <laughs> that happened, I guess. Jen freaks out about it. She thinks, oh, I'm going to be ruined. Work is going to hate me. I'm going to get fired. She finds out about it as she's getting on the plane to go home is what it is. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, she reads it on the plane and she has no like service or anything. And so she's constantly worried the whole trip about the fallout of this when she gets back. And I think when she gets back, people are just like, eh, whatever. When she's at the bar, this is another thing that made me laugh a lot. <laughs> he gets his character names wrong. And oh, does he? he's talking about Katie being at the bar. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if so I noticed So it's like that. the wrong sister. I, maybe it's just in the print. I was going to say, <laughs> I wonder if maybe that got corrected in the uh, in the audiobook. Because <laughs> I don't, I don't particularly remember that. I think the whole thing with the article coming out or whatever is supposed to be, she's got blonde girl energy now. She's getting some confidence and she's going to stand up to the man. And so actually when she gets off the plane, she calls them and is like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. And she goes, uh-uh, I'm taking that computer home and I'm done or whatever. I'm taking the computer back to the office and I'm done. And then she calls up a recruiter who'd reached out to her about a job doing still product management, but for a line of power tools yeah. in Illinois. So she'd have to move to Illinois. Mm -hmm. And she goes out there and does a visit of the campus and she finds it very quaint and charming. It's mentioned that the campus was built with the idea of like community growing up around it. The families coming to the playgrounds and volleyball pits or something like that that exist on the campus as just like community members or something. And I think it's supposed to be compared to kind of the superficial fun vibe of the tech place she worked for beforehand, because I think that one's mm. described as having like a slide in the lobby or, you know, something like that. And I think the idea was that this was supposed to feel more wholesome, more real, more genuine or something. They do ride around on like adult tricycles. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to get from like one place to another on the campus. But she ends up really liking it, so she decides to take the job. So she and Katie move to Illinois, which is her parents are nearby. Lacey, hold on. What happens before they move to Illinois? Oh, We have a okay. huge freakout moment. A huge freakout yeah. moment. Before they move, Jen tells Katie that she wants to take this job, and Katie has a meltdown, which you're kind of leading up to when she's in China. Like, Katie's acting weird. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't know why. And then she finally lets out that that night that she stayed out all night, she got drunk and the guy she was with got pulled over and she was being like a sassy pants <laughs> and yelling at the cops that they should be. Just leave us alone. Yeah. She gets a ticket for like $500 and she couldn't pay it. So she has to go to court. And so she thinks she's going to go to jail and she's been hiding this for months because she's got this ticket. 
Yeah. But luckily, our old friend Dan is a lawyer and he fixes it all up. That was another weird thing that was just like, why is this in here? I think to show at first when Katie first shows up, she's wild. She's crude. She's, you know, a a Red Bull drinking Doritos eating gamer kid that doesn't know anything. And over the time that she's living with Jen, she does show a slight shift to being more responsible because she goes to work. She starts cooking and then she learns how to make good food. You know, so she is apparently a natural cook. And so I think the idea is that like, oh, she's, you know, she's gotten over her whoring ways and she's becoming a a real (laughs) woman. And then there's this almost like one of those record scratches, just like, oh, no, the consequences of my actions kind of thing. I think just generally the idea is supposed to be that we think that Katie has evolved and then we see like, oh, she made a stupid mistake. And not only was it a stupid mistake. But it is stupid of her to freak out like this because it's nothing. So they moved to Illinois. So Dan solves the problem, which also Dan is Jewish. That's pointed out multiple times. So he's a little bit like... Yeah, the Jewish lawyer. Oh, my. Yeah. Stereotype. Anyway, so they pack up and they move and they buy this cute little house that they're going to fix up. And their parents are actually nearby. I think their parents are also from Chicago. This is near Chicago. And I think aren't their parents planning to move to where they are as well? I think they mentioned that they might because I think maybe they want to downsize or something. So I think the parents come to visit and they have them go to mass. Mm -hmm. And that's how they meet Paul, who is a handyman. Yeah, he drives an old truck and he has a beard. And he's very serious and proper and doesn't say And he much. is super Catholic, like mega Catholic. Like almost became a priest Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> so they end up hiring Paul to come help fix the house up. And it's one of those situations where he comes to work on some stuff and then they kind of like him. And so they find more stuff for him to work on. And Jen's kind of thinking like, Ooh, maybe I like him. I have a note from this part where I said, what? So Paul's going to be a love interest. Are we going to fight about church Paul? Like, is that what's going on here? Well, And I picked up on all that, like almost immediately. And I also picked up on and was annoyed by Katie suddenly being all about DIY stuff and, and learning how to do this stuff too. It just makes me think of that stereotype of a girl falls in love with a guy and suddenly she wants to do everything that he does and she wants to share his interests. And Paul thinks that, you know, self-sustaining small farms for every family is the way to live. And so she's looking into, you know, like gardening and, and things like that. And the novel stays very focused on Jen's mindset and Jen's perspective. But I thought it was glaringly obvious that like both of these women were going to fall in love with Paul and it was going to be a thing. Yeah. But Jen really doesn't notice that the Katie Paul thing is going on Mm -hmm. until the parents come and stay with them for Christmas and then they invite Paul over and I think they drink. And I don't know if it's Christmas or New Year's, but at some point, Paul and Katie end up kissing. Yeah, the parents come over. They all go to Christmas mass together. And Paul makes a whole big deal about how he wished that they would just sing the classic hymns 
and the older stuff and do mass in Latin. And he wants everything to be super traditional in the way things used to be. But yeah, I think it is New Year's though, because I think they're watching the ball drop. Okay. We find out that Paul can sing and play guitar, which is, I think, when Jen is really like, oh yeah, he's attractive. I'm going to let him know what I think. And that's when she sees Paul and Katie kissing under the mistletoe. Or no, kissing at midnight. Kissing under the mistletoe is a Christmas thing. It doesn't matter. They kiss. And then Katie is like all gushy about it. Like you would expect a high schooler to act. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think she's like, oh, his hands were my hair and I just wanted to keep kissing him. But mom and dad were there. (laughs) (laughs) And then they have a very chaste courtship. I feel like she even starts changing the way she dresses. She starts dressing more conservatively after that. You know, past the knee length dresses with I think like cardigans or something like that. Overnight complete transformation to Stepford wife. They end up spending like all their time together. And in the in the meantime, Jen is doing her typical and throwing herself into work. And mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time talking about her trying to solve her product management problems, which I feel like nobody gives a shit about. Yeah. And then she goes on some weird leadership retreat. But again, nobody cares. Yeah. And I think just like with the house being solved by Paul, I think Paul tells her something about the way he believes people should do business because he doesn't like her job because she's yeah pitching things to middlemen and yada, yada, yada. But in his talk about how people should do business more honestly, and there's a kernel of truth into that, I'm sure. But as a non-business person, I could not care less. But the solution to her problem with their product rollout or something like that is brought to her through this conversation with Paul. So once again, a man solves a woman's problems. I forgot they argued a lot, too, because she kept trying to pay him more Yeah, for the work that he was doing. And she kept telling him that it, you need to value your work and it's worth more than this. And you could have this really thriving business if you would just market yourself right. And she was trying to be helpful and he got mad mm-hmm. <laughs> about it. Mm-hmm. Genuinely angry at her yeah. for saying that she wanted to pay him more money. Which is kind of funny because I did just watch a Korean rom-com drama show on netflix called hometown cha-cha-cha that (laughs) involves a big city woman dentist moving to a small town and she is constantly butting heads with this local handyman guy who does odd jobs around town who refuses to work for more than minimum wage oh my god did that person read if you can get it that again ties kind of back into that hallmark show comparison yeah korean dramas hallmark and brennan hodge name a better group you cannot (laughs) so katie and paul love each other well they get in a big fight katie and paul get in a huge fight katie comes home and like throws herself on the bed and she's like it's over because of paul's deep held religious convictions and he basically i guess tells her If you don't believe the world is the way that I believe, then we can't be together. So she gets some books on Catholicism and decides that, again, she's going to completely change herself for this man. Yeah. And so she does. And everyone's really happy about it. Yeah. Just so stoked. I find it so gross. (laughs) Well, I mean, she was such a loser studying those Eastern religions and playing Xbox. Yeah, she basically (laughs) wasted her whole life until she met Paul and he showed her the way. Uh, And then, so, they end up, I guess, happy together, and 
Jen realizes that she wants to be happy and that Jewish lawyer Dan is who she is meant to be happy with. So she calls him up in the middle of the night to tell him, I really haven't appreciated you over the years. Yeah. And he's like, oh, God, I just wanted to hear you say that for so long. They decide they're going to long distance date and then, oh, lawyers can work anywhere and product managers can work anywhere. And that's what both of us are, by the way. (laughs) And then the like third from the last line of the book. So they're on the phone and he says to her, it is not good that Jen should be alone. I will make a suitable help meet for her. Which is, I think, like, straight from the Bible. It's from Genesis. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's how the book ends. I didn't know that was from Genesis, by the way. I had to uh, look it up. Oh, my God. Is his wife's name Rosamund? Yeah. (laughs) There's a review from her on the back I told you. He had her review on his (laughs) Facebook page. (laughs) I will say, peppered it. Peppered into Jen and Dan's conversations, I think throughout the book, (laughs) he talks about how hard it is to date being Jewish and how his mom tries to set him up with stuff. And I think he's on like J-date or something. And she kind of's like, oh, religion, why is it so important? Yada, yada. And he has this whole thing about like, oh, you know, shared background, shared stories. But he's something of a spiritual advisor to her that I think at first for her feels safe and a bit removed in the sense that like it doesn't matter because he's talking about a different religion you know yeah and so because she feels like it has that distance i think she's she opens up to him a little bit more on that stuff and then i think in their last conversation it is hinted at that she is ready to explore religion herself because look how well it turned out for her sister all she had to do was completely change who she was (laughs) so so that's the book everybody we read it. And I think somewhere earlier in the episode, what did we say? It can only go up from here. That was a lie. It went down. I didn't like this book. I would argue that I have very much enjoyed talking about. I don't know if book. I could say that I do because I don't like being negative. <laughs> this whole thing, this whole review of the book is, ne- I, I don't think I have a good thing to say about this book, except for the the one mention of a lightsaber. Not a lightsaber, like a normal person would <laughs> say, a lightsaber. <sighs> I definitely looked up more about this book than I have pretty much any of the other ones, just because it was such a train wreck. <laughs> and I think that this is basically just a dude who happens to also be Catholic and wanted to try his hand at writing. And it one of the reviews talks about he was writing this for that NaNoWriMo thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't remember what that stands for. National Novel Writing Month. It's November. Okay. So, I mean, he's not an author by trade. Fair you know? enough. Yeah. So, I mean, he did the thing and he is a published author. Yeah. And that is pretty awesome. And I've worked with people who are corporate America people who have self-published their own books and i don't know if this is any better or worse than those (laughs) you know yeah i mean that's fair and i mean you're bound to come across books that you just absolutely don't like and so the fact that we got into was this our ninth episode where we got to a book that like we were this mean about (laughs) 
I feel like we're we're on a pretty good streak and and we're going to we're going to hit these every now and then. And so I think I need to learn to know that it's okay to not like something. <laughs> I had something good to say about just about every book that we've read. I just don't know if I have that for this one. And I guess that's okay. I don't have to like the book, right? Right. You don't have to like it. <laughs> and I mean, my biggest complaints about the book are the portrayal of women as not real people. Yeah. And I think that that is valid. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if we want to give a little bit of fairness, I don't think any portrayal in this book is real, you know? Oh, yeah. Because the men are also pretty stereotypical. The hotshot who's supposed to be the negotiator in China is just a, a total sleazebag who's not actually good at his job. Paul, even, he might as well have a halo around his head. He's this saintly, perfect guy. I did not like Paul. <laughs> well, he's meant to come off as a perfect guy. He's got good values and hard work ethic, and he has everything figured out, and he knows he knows everything and all this stuff, and yet he's still very, like, I just, I see him in plaid and kind of just walking around grumpily all the time. <laughs> And I think that what really gets me is that there are a lot of reviews that say that Brennan Hodge did a really good job of portraying women and sisters in particular in this novel. And I'm just like, no, 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 he didn't. I will say, and I did write this as a note, as like a good for you, Brendan, for breaking stereotypes. Inexplicably, Jen, who's this super type A I have my favorite pumps and I get up at 6.30 to run every day and blah, blah, blah. Her drink of choice is like straight whiskey. When she's in China and she gets a drink with the a reporter lady, she orders an entire bottle of whiskey. <laughs> well, I, I mean, don't you think that that plays into the I'm a go-getter and I can prove to all the men that I can keep up with them? And But if it was a stereotyped woman, she would be ordering wine. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, but I don't know, because I just, I feel like Jen, the whiskey drinker, is just the, I'm not like the other girls. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe the whole character of Jen is meant to be that, because. Yeah, I'm not like other women. I don't need a husband. I don't need a family. And Yeah. She's just a dude in pumps. <laughs> Uh, okay, what's our arbitrary judgment on this? I didn't have a great one, but I was thinking maybe like out of the the books in the Bible. I was going to say 66, but apparently the Roman Catholic Bible has 73. So we're going to go 70. We got to go with the Roman. Paul would be very upset if we didn't go with the Roman Catholic version of the Bible. Yeah. Out of, how many is that? 73? 73. Out of 73 books in the Bible. I give this Dead Sea Scrolls. Those aren't in the Bible, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, like, I don't, it's a book. And, you know, I don't, two, two out of 73. I did not like this book. I am going to say I give it a Revelations and that's it. <laughs> Burn it to the ground and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is the book where, like, God sends all the plagues onto Egypt. Exodus. That's the one. <laughs> That's what this book felt like. A plague. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Brendan, but... Yeah, I... Oof, yeah, I feel kind of bad. 
I would really like to know if any of our listeners had a different opinion about this book. I know that I've portrayed a very strong opinion, but I would like to hear differing opinions if anyone has one, uh, if you want to send that to us. I can tell you Brendan's wife says she thinks it's a scathing comedy with a cute human insight and a heartfelt exploration of sisterhood. Thanks, Rosamond. Brendan's wife is also an author, by the way. Yeah. I wonder if she writes Catholic books, too. Sure. I don't know. But if if you do want to Hold give- on. Okay. Hold on. Oh, no. Hold the fuck on. <laughs> what now? What? Okay. Brendan's wife wrote a book called Crimson Bound, which is described as a fantasy novel inspired by Little Red Riding Hood, and the book is set in a fey-dwelling land with grim-style magic and French names in inspired locations. It retells Little Red Riding Hood with a dark, magical twist. It's a story full of villains who are allowed to love and heroines who are allowed to murder and be selfish. What the fuck? I want to read that book. I was about to say the same thing. (laughs) Where's the Catholicism? Oh, I'm sure it's in there. Aslan shows up, you know, because he was an allegory for Jesus. I I can't. I'm, I'm just flabbergasted. Maybe one day we'll get to read her book. Wonderful, creepy, gory. That's the way that that book is described. Huh. I'm just... In the darkest shadows of the woods stands a house. The walls are cocked with blood. The roof is thatched with bones. Within that bloody house lives old mother hunger, the first and eldest of all forest born. Give me that. <laughs> this is like your like your Nordic ancestry. Your blood is calling for these like dark, grim fairy tales. <laughs> How did the person who wrote that describe this book as a cute human insight? She must really love and him. And scathing comedy. <laughs> she must really love him. Okay. Well, um, maybe maybe we'll get to read that book someday. That sounds freaking fantastic. Uh, but listeners, if you do have a differing opinion or more to add to our just dogpile of insults on if you can get it uh hit us up we are library game podcast at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram and twitter at the library game so this is the time that we would normally give you the rssb coordinates for the next episode however because we are coming close to the end of our first full season we thought maybe we'd do something a little different for the next episode and we're gonna call this read this coward so i get to be the first coward (laughs) yes i'm very excited about this so rather than picking a book blindly at the library like we usually do i'm going to recommend a book to Lacey. now this is a book that a friend of mine brie recommended to myself and another friend and i absolutely loved it and i decided that Lacey should read it too Lacey. I am going to give you this bit, which is, I think you are going to love this book also. So I am setting you up with high expectations, and I know that's kind of the opposite of the point of the library game. But again, this is just a a slightly different bit, so I think it'll be okay. Are you ready to hear what book you will be reading? Yes. I would like you to read A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik 
It is the first book in the Scholomance series. Scholomance? Like scholarly romance? I'm not allowed to tell you anything about the book. <laughs> but you, you can look up the cover. Readers, if you would like to read along, that book, again, is called A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. All right. Well, I guess I got to figure out where I'm going to find that book. And then we'll see you next time. Adios.